Hot round. Red seven. Red seven. Red seven. Don. What? Red seven. I don't know what red seven means. Hot round. I don't. What is hot round? Will you just go stand on the other side, please? Billy Bob. This is it. The man who got us here. You ready? You don't think that lame-ass play where I run down the field and act like I'm lost is going to work, do you? Then he pivots, fakes, chucks the big bomb halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide-open tailback. I call it the annexation of Puerto Rico. Booyah! That's what we call a sack lunch! Nom, 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 nom. I need that ball. Get me the ball. You need the ball. Get me the ball. Get me the ball. Are you going to get me the oh, ball? Oh, get you the ball! Get me the ball! I hope you didn't kill somebody. Hello. Hey, Welcome. What's up, man? It's 11 personnel. I'm Nick Roush. That's Adam Luckett. Adam, how the heck are you? I'm pretty good. Good Mother's Day over there at the Roush household? Yeah, it was a, it was a great Mother's Day. Uh, grandma and Grandpa got to hold Grandbaby for the first time. So that oh, was, that's awesome, man. That was very exciting. And it was, it was also kind of weird, too. It was the first time that, like, it's like, wait, so I don't need to, like, hold the baby or anything right now? I was like, what? <laughs> this is what nice do, what do i do yeah so instead i was holding a, a glass of bourbon for a while and uh watching our man to kill crowdis commit to kentucky first, first before we get to that okay i need to know more about these homemade oatmeal cream pies okay so i don't think everybody follows me on instagram don't worry you don't need to i i refuse instagram is my fun social media I, I hate when recruits use it to post news. I, no, this is for funsies. Oh, I, on the Deco Crowdis recruitment, I was wait. I was sitting there on Twitter hitting refresh, like, where's this video at? Where is this at? And then I see all the tweets come through. Deco Crowdis commits. Deco Crowdis commits. I'm like, what, what's going on here? And then I was like, damn IG. <laughs> um, so Instagram strikes again, but I posted like, hey, I got the best wife ever because – Hey, she's a babe. She she's my baby mama, but also she does things like make homemade oatmeal cream pies for me. Which, first off, like that's just like a sentence right there. You know, it's amazing. That just combination of words. Like, sign me up. You know, right away, you're not only you're not just eating only one. Oh well. So so here is kind of the the way that things happened. Luckett is that she just said, "Hey, go to the grocery and get X, Y, and Z. I've got a surprise for you." And it's like brown sugar and you know stuff like that, kind of basic stuff. Where I thought, like, okay, she's probably just making like a cool kind of cookie. You know, I mm-hmm. don't know, whatever. And I I was doing some work and I come downstairs and I see this bowl of just like icing, this fluffy icing. And then it, what looks like to be peanut butter cookies. And I'm like, ooh, peanut butter cookies? Like, what, what are we, what's going on over here? And then she reveals what they actually are. And it happened less than 24 hours after TJ Beisner tweeted out about his wife making oatmeal, homemade oatmeal cream pies for the first time ever. And I just kind of laughed. I was like, well, what are the odds that they both, the genesis of each idea happens at the same time? Here's the thing, Luckett. So, oh, man, I can't use that alliteration. Okay. Well, let's just put it this way. So, you know how, like, jet skiing on a lake is awesome? You ever been on a jet ski before? No, but I've seen Alan Jackson do it. So okay. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Well, if you go out into the ocean, it's, like, ten times cooler because it's a jet ski, except you've got waves, and it's just – it's that much better. 
that's kind of how oatmeal cream pies pies are, and that they're great just by themselves, but homemade. Mm-hmm. Whew. The the biggest difference, like a, you get it a little bit hot. You can get a little crispiness on the edge, so it's got a nice outer shell, mm-hmm. but it's much more cinnamony, and I think it really makes the it just makes it pop. It really pops that way. Um, the only downside, though, is that regular oatmeal cream pies, like, you can bang out quickly, and you could probably eat two of them, right? <laughs> Meeting two for breakfast every morning when they're in the pantry. <laughs> there you go. Mm-hmm. But these are, like, I mean, it's a cookie size. I mean, I, I'm holding this up right now. Like, it, it's pretty significant. I just had a half of one, so, like, give me a sugar rush before this. And that, that was a lot. So that, that's the only downside is trying to make them a little bit more downside. That's, that's why you bring in on third and short. Yeah. The jumbo yeah. oatmeal cream pie when you need I mean, some beef. It's jumbo and it's got that extra cinnamon punch, man. So mm-hmm. I, I highly recommend it. If there are any ladies out there who are thinking like, Ooh, I want to try something different during quarantine. Mm-hmm. Hey husbands, maybe you'll like, you know, father's day is a month away. Maybe slide mention that. Hey, these homemade oatmeal cream pies are pretty good. Taylor, she makes some homemade cookies, chocolate chip from scratch. Mm-hmm. Now that now, rock your yeah. socks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're talking. But yeah, oatmeal cream pie. No, I've never had that before. I've never really heard of it. I guess. I guess that's why it caught my attention. It's a new like Instagram people's yeah. thoughts kind of thing, you know, because I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that's where my wife found it. Bowser's wife got it from Joanna Gaines's cookbook. Which, well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That, that, them Gaineses, they, they know how to fix up just about anything. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't know how Miss Terry, she's got all this time on her hands. She's got to start <laughs> making these for Nick, you know, just because the two a morning, eventually you got to spice up that routine every once in a while and go for the jumbo mm-hmm. package. Yeah, Saban, I don't know if he could put down old Jumbo one. He's not very big, man. He really isn't. And it also – You've seen how, – how, like, you've seen him up close at, at Hoover, I uh, guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's – Like, how, how size proportionate is he, I guess? I wouldn't even know how to like – I mean, he, kind of like how Eddie Grant's kind of a little guy. Like, Saban's mm-hmm. the same way. I mean, not, not quite six foot, but I would just guess around there because – his persona is at least six feet tall, but like right. he's a little guy, which also, how do you eat oatmeal cream pies every day for breakfast and like not get fat? Pretty sure that's all he eats. Just all day. I think he has that in a salad at lunch. That's it. And then just grits his teeth on Diet Coke all day. I was reading a story on Bill Snyder and they said, uh, he would eat, uh, like, a just like a uh, like a light sandwich for lunch and almost every day. And then sometimes when he was hungry at night, he would go out or he would stop on his way home and get like three tacos from Taco Bell. But they said that's all he ever ate was like this little sandwich every day at lunch and then sometimes tacos at Taco Bell. No wonder he always needed a sweater, like, because he was just so frail. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So, they're machines, some of these coaches, man. And I get that some of it they're staying busy. If you're dipping all the time, too, you're not going to be hungry. So, but, like, Nick Saban, his only vice is just loving football too much. Like, it, it's, his, it's, it's, it's a, a, uh, a positive and a negative. It's like Michael Jordan, you know. He doesn't have a game. Getting mad at the media. Yeah. <laughs> they got a lot, of, a lot in common. 
But I will say those Jordan press conferences look a little bit more crazy than the Alabama ones. Speaking of that, last night, that retirement press conference, <laughs> Tom Brokaw was there. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and this is like Tom Brokaw. I was stunned by that. NBC, like, yeah. number one Nightly guy. News. Yeah. <laughs> Not even, like, Tom Brokaw te- doing the e-block and, like, less giving the tw- light like, story. Less than a 24-hour notice per that. Yeah. Like, absolutely wild. Which, some of it, like, I, I love that our job probably wouldn't be around, you know. But, like, our, we kind of operate in the same sphere as they did back in the day, but it was two different kinds of jobs. And I'm kind of, in a sense, I'm happy for ours. But it also would be kind of cool to, like, be a little bit, especially in pro markets. Like, Craig Sager comes in and asks <laughs> Jerry Krause about all the backstabbing. And it was just like, damn, <laughs> just not messing around. So, while as much as I do enjoy the kind of blog side where we get to have fun and kind of cut up with the coaches, we're playing Jeopardy with them on Zoom. It would be kind of co- fun to do. Before we, before we move on, did you cover when Stoops was hired? Were you at that introductory yes, press conference? that was okay. one of the first things I got to go to. And I was uh, – I, I, Matt was very happy with me because I was one of the first to – they gave us, like, CDs. All of the media members got CDs. And it had uh, – actually, I don't know if that was – I guess it was Stoops. Did they – because they, they unveiled, like, Stoops and the new stadium renovations. Was it at the same time or just close together? I think Capaluto said at the press conference that they had they had an agreement or they were working towards an agreement to get like the bonds okay from okay. the government something well, like that. The one I'm thinking of is the new stadium press conference because okay, that, yeah yeah yeah. They had like these huge tarps. I remember that. Yes. Set up in Nutterfield House and it was they were like unveiling them on these big And the architect came and showed the slides and the pictures. Yeah, and I got on that CD, and I was like, oh, well, they've got pictures on here. And I put them on the side early, and Matt was very happy with me that I had that done quickly. I don't really – because Stoops' was that nutter as well. Um, mm-hmm, I think that so. Was a, that was a big production. I'm interested to, to, to see what the next basketball coach kind of production would be. You know, like – Yeah, we you know, haven't had one in a while. That's why I was just wondering. Oh, nine. We haven't really experienced that. You know. That hubbub. Um, mm-hmm. but we also don't get like the old school just writing one column a day like what if we just <laughs> sat around and just like thought about a column to write like big miss by Jordan and what, what do they got 500 words 500 600 words in those columns yeah, a nice and tight 500 words old uh, what was his name in Sports Illustrated Rick Rowley Rick Rowley yeah that, that back page column ah some folks will never know will never know but I did want to get to talking about what I talked about with Darren Henshaw last week, which was just sitting around talking ball. And I, we're getting a while to get to the talking ball today. But for folks who – for our audience, you like that kind of stuff. And if you haven't watched the the quarterback Jeopardy yet, stop what you're doing right now. Just hit pause. Go over on the YouTube. It's about 20 – no, it's about, I cut it down to about 15. About 15 minutes or so. Yeah, which a nice tight 15 minutes. We touch on a variety of topics within the Jeopardy game they play. But essentially, it's Darren Henshaw's – he has a different way of testing his quarterbacks. So you have your film ways of learning, and this is his way to get his quarterbacks to be able to communicate verbally without having to see the film. And 
like it. I, I think we got a nice little uh, – what's the right word? It, it, this was the basic stuff, and it gave us more insight into just the depth of knowledge that mm-hmm. quarterbacks need to know. To be they let right. us peek into the kitchen. See yeah. See how the sausage yeah. was made a little bit. Yeah, we didn't get like – you know, we didn't go through every drawer, but we just saw like all of the different menu items and like, mm-hmm. oh, wow, that's a lot. I kind of know what that is. Is that mm-hmm. arugula? Oh, yeah, that's arugula. There we go. Mm-hmm. And I got a question right. You did. First one. I knew it was going to be too easy, though. Like, like they had to set you up. Go to the coverages because, like, surely that, you know, there's only a couple different ones. Whereas, like, I knew when in, in all of the uh, rap progressions, there's no way I would know what they call their routes. Yeah. Or the blitzes. Like, you just don't know the names for them. So I wish what I would have. What was it? Lettuce wrap or uh... scalp? Scalp, scalp rat. There you go. Which I would have, I would have liked to. I should have guessed smack because those were ours back in the day. Where it was like a Sam and a Mike smack. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm trying to think some of our, but those were fun. I, I, I enjoyed that, and like I could have spent forty five minutes just going through all their stuff. Oh yeah, just to know the the names, scalp. <laughs> just all the the unique football names that they have for there, I find pretty fascinating. But for me, I think my takeaways from that was that it it's a copycat sport. Like people dress it up and do it different ways, but it's all kind of a base thing. Like he said, he got that from the quarterback coach in Ohio mm-hmm. from some teleconference they were doing. Right. So he he took it and put his spin on it. And I think sometimes we forget about coaches is. They're literally teachers. That's what they are. And so this was just a teacher using a different tool to try to relate his message to his students, which are quarterbacks. And it creates like a competition, like he said, like he has them one going one on one. I think he said during the uh, during when they do this Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. And so it really kind of shows you that. They, they really are teachers in that a lot of these ideas are borrowed and it's just how you put a spin on it, how you can get it to relate or have the light bulb go off to in your student's head, find the most effective way to work for you. And, and, and I think using the competitive side really scratches their itch. Yeah, when, yeah. Uh, as much as they're going to be doing from home from a weightlifting standpoint, not having the competitive angle to it, I think hurts. Because mm-hmm. a, a lot of those things are like, I mean, it's just like if we went out to a field right now, you know, and we're like, hey, I bet I can beat you to that pole. Like, we'd probably tear something and like roll an ankle, but damn it, we would go and run faster than we've ran in 10 years just because competitiveness. You just can't help yourself. And, right. and I think the Jeopardy game uh, certainly brought that out. And it also. Uh, aside from just the basic function, it simulates how quickly you need to be able to identify what's happening. It's a quick recall. Yeah, and you have to be able to know it within two seconds or your ass is grass. And just showing the uh, the progressions one I thought was interesting just from a here's the here's the order in which you look at things. That's like the last step in the process. Like I felt like the way that like it went left to right in like descending order. So like first it's kind of like, all right, 
or I guess, I guess it wasn't the right order, but essentially that was like what you ha- what a quarterback has to know in each play. So you've got to identify where to slide for your protection. If you need to change up whatever Drake Jackson calls out, uh, you need to be able to identify if they're blitzing and what coverage they're in. Uh, and then go through your route progression. What's who, which receiver do I get it to? Mm-hmm. And I and, guess the first step would have been formations. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah and formation, yeah. he would say, I found this interesting, a four, two front or a three, two front or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing how they figure out the sub packages, whether it be nickel or dime, is just at those numbers. So if you do a three-two, that equals five. That means that you need six more players. That would equal dime because six defensive backs. Mm-hmm. Where a four-two would be six front seven defenders, and then five defensive backs. That would equal nickel. Right. So I'm, I would guess that's how he came up with that. And for me, I think. Just terminology, how it can be different. I've known, like, the first question, or the first, I think it was the second question, actually, yeah, after the cover yeah. two, was he called it cover eight, but it, pretty much it was, it's a split coverage where you're running cover four on one side and cover two on the other side. He called it cover eight, but I've known it as cover six. And then when I watch that film room with the coaches in the National Championship every year, I hear them say quarter, quarter, half 18,000 times. Right. And I'm thinking, what the hell is quarter, quarter, half? So I, I Google it and find out that it's just cover six. Well, he calls it cover eight for, you know, whatever reason. So they all have their different names for it, which I think I, I find unique. I guess cover eight rolls more easily off the tongue. than Especially if half. you're calling everything cover something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Might as well keep it there. And the thing that I thought was cool too, like it, is that when I'm going through all, like, he was kind of sitting there going through all the different like he was encouraging me to go through them all and normally they're pretty guarded you know like you don't want to i mean and here's the thing too is you know uk recorded it and it was gonna be one of those things that like if you know if something came up that they didn't want out there they could cut it they didn't cut anything like i actually went in and cut out just part of it where henshaw was trying to figure out how to work it which you know naturally that's going to happen but there was a good like couple minutes where he was trying to figure out what the (laughs) <laughs> Always got the technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed the X's yeah. and O's, especially on the heels of Bill Conley's piece that mm-hmm. we, didn't, we couldn't get to it last week because, frankly, there was just a lot to get to and I forgot about it. But it detailed he, – he basically did like a spread offense from how mummy to now, which basically like it went from gimmick to – now Joe Burrow and LSU. I mean, if LSU is freaking running the spread offense, was, destroying teams, then, like, it's everywhere. That was the main point of the piece was that the spread has officially taken over all of college football now. Now that LSU, a team that drugged their heels for a long time on it, now that they fully embraced it and won a national championship with it, it's kind of taken over. There was one quote that Manny Diaz had. And it reminded me of the the Anchorman quote, the Sex Panther one, where it was like sixty percent of the t- or ninety percent of the teams run the same thirty percent of the plays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like what? But I, I did find it interesting that at the not just the the history the history one was cool because it just gave Hal Mummy a lot of shout outs and it had that old picture of them at Iowa Wesleyan with Leach back in the late eighties. 
Um, but the the aside from just getting the cool name drops and having Kentucky featured in there, I thought it was interesting just what defenses are having to do to try to combat it now. And they essentially looked at it as like the option. Like, okay, we figured out after a while, just take away the option and make them fullback divey to death. If that means putting an extra linebacker out there, then and you know, he kind of is stuck doing nothing that play, so be it. And that was kind of where they were going until the the pass really came in with the read option. Because um, Rich Rod was really the first at West Virginia to really find the zone read, yeah. Yeah. Um, All about an accident. I thought that was yeah, it was pretty at, cool. It wasn't at West Virginia when he did Glenville State before he got the West Virginia <laughs> job. Glenville State, gosh. The, guy, uh, the quarterback ran the wrong way. And or he, like, dropped the ball or something yeah, like that. fumbled or ran the wrong way and – the defensive end was just kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> and so they put it in the office the next week and and it turned him into a, a top-notch coach who ended up getting an Alabama job. Or, and then said no and then went to Michigan and played out. Well, and so we fast forward to now. I want to get that point while this thought was in my head. And now they were talking to like, hey, really, zones, They, if you're good enough, they will find a way to pick you apart. So, really, all you can do is just play man. <laughs> That's all you can do is just play man. Uh, don't worry about giving up yards. It's finding key stops in key situations. Find a way to be good on third down and into the red zone. Find a way to get stops. And then if you can force some turnovers, that helps too, obviously. And and they're, not only is it get guys who can play man, but also get big guys who can run, mm-hmm. which – I think you've Stoops has always been a fan of that um, kind of line of thinking, and it's that they've always been his kind of best corners. So you kind of see that's where his thought process is landing. Um, but I, I I thoroughly enjoyed that piece uh, just from that standpoint, and and to know like you know no matter how much you're kind of scheming up with other things, if you can just mono a mono man somebody up and beat them, then. Well done. <laughs> like that, that's really what it comes down to. It's almost like football in its purest form. And I think we, it gets to the point of the quarterback now where quarterback in is all about processing information quickly where Joe Burrow can look over to the sideline after defense lines up, gets a signal from Joe Brady in the box and knows the, the two or three places he needs to look in that play. And then after that, it's delivering the ball with accuracy. That's the biggest advantage a passing offense has is a quarterback that can deliver the ball accurately because any coach worth their salt can scheme somebody open. But can the quarterback get him the ball? You know, it doesn't do anybody any good. If you get somebody open, you can't deliver the football there. Charles uh, Walker was telling us that, like, you just Henshaw's favorite thing to, to say in the meeting room is put it on his head. <laughs> put it on his head just throw it on his head which I, I i think of was it little giants when they throw in the ball sticks in his helmet yeah yeah, yeah. ah classic mm-hmm. what if that actually happened that would be incredible did you did you like henshaw's update on the qbs terry running full speed man. i did find it interesting though man that he threw out you know Amani's doing well in the in this yeah well he <laughs> right away oh he man it it wasn't twenty four. It was less than twenty four hours after yeah. we recorded. 
but you know, that's just coaches got to, you know, he's in an interview still. He's got to say his thing. But I also like to that he's having Gatewood and Bo Allen, like, I just know that he was thinking to himself, God, if I just would have had one of these guys last year, we wouldn't have been doing this limbo mm-hmm. shit the whole time. Because um, you know it for him, that had to kill him. Like, as, as much fun as it was to, like, help Eddie scheme up stuff, like, he's yeah. a quarterback's coach. He finally was able to kind of take the gloves off with Terry, and then Terry goes and gets hurt. I think you've seen from the recent recruiting, they're really investing in that wide receiver position. And I think with the addition of Joey Gatewood and getting their guy, Bo Allen, in the last class, I think they're ready to throw the ball. And I think that's what they're kind of gearing up for here in the next few years. Well, so, yeah, I definitely, th- I definitely think there was uh, some people out there that were like, well, Kentucky should do this every year, just run bowling ball every year. Just find, find the guy and do that. But I still think, and I, I agree with them in the sentiment, the best way to move the ball, the best way to get explosive plays, the best way to consistently put points on the board is, you know, to spread it out a little bit and throw, throw the sucker down the field. <laughs> Make some plays vertically. And that's what you have to get. And then if you can combine that with what they've built their identity around, which is, you know, a good inside running game, a ground game they can lean on, if you can finally find – that right mix with the pass game, you could really have something on offense. And I think that's what they're shooting for. They, they want to be able to throw the football. And I know it, it, it kills a quarterback, probably like Darren Henshaw, just like it kills probably an offensive line coach somewhere whose team is throwing the ball 58 times a game and they're just not running it at all. He wants, he wants to throw the football around while, where offensive linemen want to run the ball. But I know, and I know <laughs> for a fact that had, had, to, had mm-hmm. to really hurt him on the inside. Well, first off, A-plus transition, kind of bringing in and bringing up what we're going to discuss next. But I just clicked, looked over at my Twitter page real quickly, and Octavius Oxendine is uh, going back and forth with a former UK commit, Jordan Watkins, who tweeted, I wonder what it's like to go to a college, play wide receiver, and block the whole time. Laugh emojis. Couldn't be me. LOL. And – so you got basically the Louisville commit doing a little trash talking on behalf of the coaches because I'm sure that's exactly what they sold him on last year when he decommitted. But I, I like that he's trying to get in the mix and take a little shot at Crowdis because Kentucky's winning the war on the recruiting trail. Um, and obviously we'll get into it more, but Kentucky's cleaning up. Watkins is really the only kid from the state of Kentucky that – Louisville's gotten that's been one of the better players in the last what four cycles or so yeah I mean I brought it up last pod I guess yeah. but that's something we can get into this summer but like that's that's a that's the most wide receiver tweet I've ever seen <laughs> just putting that out there right yeah. now yeah yeah Try to does, L- does Lynn does Lynn does Lynn bite does Lynn take the bait because he's in it now with Oxidine Oh, wait, Lynn's in it now with Oxidon, too? <laughs> well, Oxidon added Lynn Bowden. Oh, oh. So, yes, come <laughs> so on, Lynn. Lynn, take Joe. the name. Oh, Joe. <laughs> oh, I absolutely love it. But, I, you know, Watkins is saying this. He's going to be a day one impact player at Louisville. Uh, well, actually, no, they actually have talented receivers. So, no, he's he's not going to play right away. Dekel Crowder is going to play right away. Mm-hmm. 
Like, you can't coach speed. Uh, I mean, I didn't know that – like, I, I knew he was fast. I forgot about the Ohio State camp last year where he posted that 4-3-1 or whatever it was. Yeah, even at the opening, he ran 4-4 flat. Which, that's laser, uh, mm-hmm. Nike clock. So, Crowdis has speed that UK just doesn't get. And, like, mm-hmm. we can talk about – we can do analysis till we're blue in the face. But, like, just saying, you can't coach speed. He's fast. Mm-hmm. That's – do I really need to sell you any more on this kid? <laughs> well, just from a Kentucky standpoint, they haven't had a fast receiver since Bidette announced he was going to Oklahoma. Like, they haven't had that vertical threat. They've had big plotting guys on the outside for the most part. Mm-hmm. But even in the slot, like, Lynn's not a burner. Juice Johnson was fast, but he wasn't a burner. Mm-hmm. This guy is a legit burner. Like, he's a legit kind of – he can be a, a zone buster because when he's running at deep post, barreling at a safety, that safety's in a really, really tough situation because he's got to go from backpedaling to being in a full-on sprint to try to beat him to the spot, you know, 40 yards down the field from the line of scrimmage. And so, Kentucky, we saw in 2016 – they had a physical downhill running attack with two really good running backs, a good offensive line, and then they had the over-the-top weapon where they could hit Bidette on those deep posts. And they, they were tough to stop when, that, when they had that rolling. And this, and this addition is key because they just haven't they – they've missed on these kids, to be quite blunt, in recruiting. And then now they, they finally land one. I don't think the recruitment's over. I think right, right. things probably going to still – go on for a little bit, but this is a guy that Oklahoma legit wanted. Like, they were on him hard. Some other schools were really on him. And you get him as a guy that has a limited route tree. I mean, it's when you watch him on tape, it's bubbles, it's goes, and it's deep post. Because they don't need him for anything else. Right, but, yeah. he's really, but he's good at that. Now, the next level, he is small. Like, you know, he's – they say he's six foot, but I, I would assume it's six foot after he's standing on a phone book. No, he's really six foot. I'd like to see just how tall he is, and he's like probably 155 pounds right now, or something like that. But yeah, he's he's a little guy. But he can get up and go, and that's a really really good weapon to have in today's football. A guy who can vertically challenge defenses like that, and just from Kentucky standpoint, just lightening up that box a little bit because they're they're running into. Like the last two years, they're just running into eight man boxes all all game, and still putting up some pretty good numbers. But you can just lighten it up just a little bit. You could see that ground game even having a bigger impact than it's had last couple seasons. I uh, and I think it's important to note too that like even if right away he doesn't, if he came in and didn't post crazy numbers, it only takes catching one of those deep balls to open up 15 yards in the middle of the field and just pull that safety out of there. If you like, yeah, if you just catch us one or two early in the season, then you can line him up in certain situations to try to scare defense away from creeping their safety up, their force safety up. So maybe, maybe we should be a little hesitant with this guy out on the field. Right. Right. And, and it, it makes the collective much better. And mm-hmm. it also adds an element of like just having a, like, well, you know, he could be a special teams burner. 
Um, he can do a lot of things. And I think what's really important too, Luckett, is having a fast guy is not something that Kentucky easily gets. We, we talked last week about like, hey, name the four-star wide receivers that have committed here. Very hilarious that Rivals once ranked Blake Bone as a four-star player. Mm-hmm. No wonder that recruiting classes rank so high. They had Blake Bone as a four-star. But <laughs> just getting fast guys – I, I feel like an idiot right here that I can't say more than just how important it is. But you need to have the top end speed to be able to even try to have some of those spread concepts that really open up the field and really open up things for your running game. It just causes the defense to have recover more space. Exactly. So mm-hmm. getting that can mean so much for the offense right away. And it can mean a lot on the recruiting trail right away. Frederick Douglass. You build a new school in Lexington, all the best kids are going to go play there. That's just how it works. I'm sure there's rules on if you grow up here, you need to go to this school. But you know what? Who needs it? You go where the best things are. And right now that's at Frederick Douglass. That's where the best players are going to be. And you have Crowdis is the first one uh, to come through there. Walker Parks was the first big dog. Kentucky missed out on him. They get Crowdis. Clemson pushed really hard for Jagger Burton. Now it looks like it's really down to Ohio State and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't think it takes a genius to read between the lines and, and kind of see where Jagger stands uh, for what it's worth. I, I mean, I've heard great things about it, and I, I really think that it's just they don't want to end the process too soon. Like, you know, what's the point in committing now when you know you can commit to UK down the road and be fine? So I think they're they're just gonna play out the process a little bit longer. But ultimately, I think he's a ball cat. And then behind him, Dan Key's a hell of a ball player. Mm-hmm. When Crowdis left this year, it gave him a big opportunity to step up. And he's tall. He's long. He's a great athlete. Yeah. I, hope they have a, I hope they have a quarterback ready to go because I know the guy that they just had left. Yeah, he went to ended up at uh, Moorhead playing somewhere. Because so. they got two legit blue-chip receivers it's on the high school team. And also – don't they? Isn't the Neil kid uh, like a G five kind of kid? I think so. Yeah, is uh, he still there? Well, his his older brother. There was two of them. Okay, there okay. Like a, there was like a Darius Neil, and there was another one. Right. And okay. I think the, I think one went to Cincinnati or Baylor, maybe. Is that right? I'm not sure. We'd have to check. One of those kids went to Baylor, but either way, I'm just like rattling off kids who from Frederick Douglass who are really good. Mm-hmm. And you got to get your foot in that door at that school. And Vince Barrow's done just pipeline that. right now. Yeah. Um, and hell, North Harden's kind of turned into that. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit right. They just got. Blue. Yeah, which they happened. Too. Yeah, that happened after we recorded as well. And I, I, I don't know how much I talked about liking Lavelle Wright, but I just remember they played the sales, and one of my buddies was like, because I, I was asking about Oxidine. He's like, dude, this this right kid, Lavelle Wright. Remember that name. He's a beast. And Cat's got him. Mm-hmm. Locked and loaded. Um, and that's another school, too, where I, I guess Fort Knox is kind of up there people because I, I, I'm not sure if Wright's originally from there, but I know Jordan Lovett. He's originally from, I believe, Georgia. Mm-hmm. He's a good athlete. And he's one of those two like it that I'm in. Inter- so so I, I, I think UK's going to be getting Jordan Lovett in the next couple weeks. I think that's probably the next uh, commitment that's coming. Um, and he, right now, his recruitment's pretty regional. 
It's like Missouri, Cincinnati, UK, Louisville, West Virginia. But if this was a normal year, I think he would end up going to a camp and that he'd go to one of those rivals camps. He'd be a four star, and then a bunch of SEC offers would roll in. And so I think this is going to be one of those years like it where even though Kentucky won't be ranked as high, it might be like 15, where even though they aren't ranked as high, there's a lot of guys who could be ranked higher if they did all the camps and stuff. And I, and I think that Kentucky could ultimately benefit from not having the camps come up because, and mm-hmm. you know other people come in and, and try to swoop in because they're getting a little bit more exposure. Yeah, just I think recruiting in this class, what we're seeing, it's just going to be more regionalized. I think there's going to be less of kids going far away from home, or if it's close, they're probably going to be leaning with, you know, uh, close proximity over. Right, right, rest. over so going farther away. Yeah. That, that's, it's a good time for Kentucky to do that because this is a pretty strong crop in 2021. If you look to – so you mentioned it last week, but six of eight mm-hmm. from the Commonwealth. One, one of those in the top eight is committed to Cincinnati. It's the Trinity linebacker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other one, Dunn, Jatson Dunn, is at Ohio State. So, basically, at that point, Louisville, uh, Jordan Watkins home, he's, they're, they're left. The, the Vultures, they ain't got much. They got slim pickings now. Um, there's not a whole lot to go through. So, I, it's certainly the, – the one thing, too, that's big on the heaven Vince Merrill in here, Remember when West Virginia hired Neil Brown, and you're like, man, I could make things tough here. You know, Jeff Brom got Rondell Moore. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to be real tough. Milton Wright, too. Yeah, so you're thinking, man, where are they going to get some of these guys? And Vince has cleaned up shop, uh, which I think is really important. And if you look at just where the class is right now, there's, I believe, there's eight commitments. and Five of them, or let's see, one, three of them are for Kentucky, three are from Ohio, and two are from the Deep South. I mm-hmm. feel like that's going to be kind of what the ratio is for this class, and that, and how it's represented. Yeah, so, I, f- I feel like just moving forward, as the staff is currently constructed, you're going to have that, and then throw in clean scale on Michigan. So you pretty much have Summerall getting kids from Alabama, Georgia. Marrow in Kentucky and Ohio, clink scale in Michigan. I think those that's where the the big chunk of your class is gonna come. And then maybe sprinkle in some DMV kids with Brad White. Yeah, or you know, still still gonna be in Florida, but I, I, I don't think as much. I think they're trying to get away. It seems like they're trying to get away from that a little bit. Right. And then and then JUCO kids, obviously too. To fill out, you know, I, but I think to fill the fill in the gaps, but right. mostly I think you're looking at Kentucky. Ohio, Michigan, Georgia, Alabama. I feel like the staff thinks that's where they're kind of getting their best players or the ones that are, you know, like, I guess, uh, blended into the roster um, quicker and kind of be having success there for whatever reason. Because like we've seen in the portal, uh, some of these South Florida kids Mm -hmm. are are getting out pretty fast from the program. And and you also need to look to it where – your production is once these kids get there. So, like, mm-hmm. I mean, the best players in the program have come from Ohio, Kentucky, 
Michigan, DMV. I, I get I, so John Summerall is kind of a new experiment in this process to kind of feel out, uh, you know, what those kids are going to be able to do. So those are wait and see at this moment. But when you just look at production, Josh Allen, Boogie Watson, DMV, uh, the Michigan kids, they're going to be playing. I mean, DeAndre Square was day one guy. Bully McCall in the rotation constantly. And, you know, I, Benny Snell, I don't, I don't have to go through the list with those guys. In, in, on the offensive line, the state of Kentucky has produced some studs. They've done very well getting those yeah. guys. I mean, even Mason Wolf was like, you know, ranked seven. He'd be starting next year if he was still on the roster. Yeah. Um, and, and he was in the rotation for two or three years, playing a couple different spots. So Kentucky's done really well in the trenches. Now they get Crowders, they get an athlete um, that can be in the mix. And the thing that I, I think is going to help DeKell too is not necessarily – it doesn't really apply uh, like Lynn Bowden, but, you know, the Kentucky staff gave Lynn some rope. He had a little bit of wiggle room, and I think Crowders is going to get a lot more rope being in a place like Kentucky. He's going to get more opportunities um, just because he's the Lexington kid than he would if he went elsewhere. Yeah, I think that's definitely a selling point for them. Was whatever happened at IMG, he moved home for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So I think that I think that certainly helps. Yeah, and I, I don't know, I'm just getting excited talking about all these these players, like what they can do on the field. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> and we mentioned too that they're kind of like mitigating the like how many Florida kids you're taking and whatnot. Who are, who are the big Florida kids that UKs are? I guess to throw out Bedette and Kemp because they were early. Mm-hmm. Really I mean, Wright, Wright's got a chance to really. Jordan Wright, yeah. The yeah. next couple of years. So Jordan Wright, Josh Ali. Ali. Cleveland Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, we'll see. Kenneth Horsey might be starting this year. Yeah. Florida kid, but he's not. I mean, he's from the Orlando area, so it's not like he wasn't. Tampa, Tampa, I think. Seminole. Seminole. That's right outside Orlando, pretty sure. I, can be uh, I, I, dr- I've, I drove through it at a wedding. It's Sanford, at- Florida. Seminole. Right? Or Seminole remember- High School. It's, San- it's in Sanford, Florida. But there's a Seminole, Florida, too. Yeah, I think there is, but he's from Sanford, I'm pretty oh, sure. Damn it. God. I- Don't test me on my Florida geography. Because well, I was uh, – I <laughs> yeah. went to a wedding in St. Pete, Clear. you know, that whole mess of – it's all the same area, but they're all a bunch of different towns. And we drove through Seminole. I was like, oh, the home of Kenneth Horsey. <laughs> Damn it. Nah, man, I'm at, I I will say I do love the – like driving to Orlando for the Citrus Bowl and uh, Jacksonville. I love playing the uh, which UK players from where. Yeah, that's fun. JoJo Kemp to land. Mm-hmm. Um, Leesburg. Florida. Yeah, and you go through um, all the Georgia kids too. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tell Travis Tisdale and Lowndes at Valdosta. Mm-hmm. Uh, McDonough is an exit. That's Chris Rodriguez. Well, and yeah, and hell, Tifton, KD McDaniel. Yeah. So I, uh, oh, well, I'm, I'm just naming cities now because I'm missing football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, gee, where were we at? Getting back to the Florida. I mean, you had Cedric Dort, has a chance to be, he was a low rank recruit. Right. They've had, but to be fair, they've had some that stuck. They really haven't had the stars develop from there. 
And then they've also had guys some attrition. They've had guys leave. Yes. Not sure recently. And most notably, Hawkins, Davion Hawkins, Day-Day Hawkins, now headed to Tennessee State. So in that class of 2018, they've had two kids transfer. Both were South Florida kids. Both ended up in an FCS program. Oh, where did uh, Alexander? And Hampton. Oh, yeah. And then Alexander's the other one. We're still waiting on him. Stanley Gardner is one of those that, like, it's like, he's a four-star? Rifles ranked him as a four-star. I think a lot of it was just because of his athleticism and his height. But I don't yeah, think I he – Yeah, I think he, uh, he went to a camp, like an Alabama camp early and got an offer. I think he went to an Alabama camp and a Clemson camp within a week of each other and got offered by both. And so yeah. that was like, well, this guy must be pretty good. Yeah, and he had the, the physical traits, but, uh, you know, I don't know how much work he was willing to put in. Day Day Hawkins is the one that I enjoy just because he was a fun personality. And he had the athleticism for that position. He had some really good twitch. But he also was like – this was not the right word. But he wasn't consistent enough in his rushes and in his – like being stout in the run game. I mean, just to put it bluntly, they recruited really well at that position. Yeah. And he just kind of got squeezed out. Yep. He had last year to really kind of turn it on, whether fair or unfair. He didn't really get there. He was still a redshirt freshman, still needed some seasoning. And they they just found some other bodies, and it was, he just got squeezed out. I mean, that's what that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. I'm just – I uh, I, I'm sorry, Luckett. I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm just loving um, – <laughs> I'm just loving <laughs> – like right now we have <laughs> oh man like one of the responses to Jordan Watkins he says so Watkins says I wonder what it's like to go to college and play a wide receiver and block the whole time and somebody said I wonder what it's like to buy an Instagram with 25,000 followers I see that right now. get less than a thousand likes <laughs> per pick like what that is, who's that oh. a shot at I don't know I wonder if it's him. Like, let's creep on Jordan Watkins' Instagram, shall we? Yeah. Oh, man, we're trolling hard. I know. I just appreciate a good rivalry and and, and the – okay, that was was a woman. Um, Let's see. Oh, God, this is bad. Why are we doing (laughs) like it? Why are we – Here's the thing, like we talked about last week with um, some of these – Twitter and Instagram names like Armand Scott, we couldn't find them mm-hmm. on Twitter. Right. Maybe he has like our guy Mike Drennan, who's his just name is just Donut on Twitter. Uh, my name Donut. <laughs> oh, speaking of Louisville, can you believe that they actually watch film of practice? Oh, that's just just incredible. Oh my God, they're just the greatest coaches in the history of coaching. Like, can you believe it? I mean, I did, I did, I did notice. I think it was last week, maybe Wednesday, Thursday, either SEC Network or ESPNU re-aired the Kentucky Lowell game. Did you notice that? <laughs> I, I did notice that. Yeah, and it was a blowout. A bunch of people got, bunch of people started live tweeting it, <laughs> confirmed what I we've been talking about on here for a few podcasts when we yeah. brought that game up. Ah, so much fun. So much fun. But I the, the most recent uh, article, though, was uh, it was from the guy who does uh, – what, what you call it? The football scoop? Zach Barnett? 
Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah. Oh, so there was a direct shot at Watkins. He has 27,000 followers. And his most recent post had 788 likes, 800 likes, 800 <laughs> likes, 700 likes. He rolls interviewing him in one of them. That was when he was a UK commit. And uh, I wonder what happened there. I think he loved the attention from Louisville. Yeah, he was kind of probably a big recruit for them. Yeah, yeah. And I think, if I do recall, I think he grew up a Louisville fan. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Yeah, because I – Not as big as Isaiah Cummings, I don't think, but <laughs> no, no. you're right on that. Isaiah Cummings' dad works for Louisville. Like, right. That's, just, that's awesome. I, I, I love that fun fact. And the story Merrill told on National Signing Day. Are you sure? Are you sure you don't let him come here? Oh, man. Trayvon Rivka, most recent full reply. Praying to God that man catches a screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, and the, the thing is, too, that makes this dynamic fun with him and Ox getting in on it. Because, like, they were they were in, like, a group chat together for a while. Cause they were oh, yeah. Together. Yeah. So, like, they know each other well. So, like, that's what makes this more fun is because it's legit trash talk. Oh, man. Yeah. The rivalry back on, but no, the, yeah, okay. I want to. I'm going to read you. We're going to do another. This is just a new segment we're going to have. It's called Eleven Personnel Reads Tweets because that's how the end of our show is is going down. This was a tweet for the article where basically Zach Barnett just interviewed Zach Bar or Scott Satterfield and transcribed the whole thing, um, which is a very boring read. I I, I rarely do that because I just don't want to read transcripts for interviews. Sometimes they don't give you enough. Satterfield gave him a lot of stuff, but here is how he promoted it, Zach Barnett did. When Scott Satterfield and his staff got to Louisville, they spent time analyzing practice film in search of something to be positive about. By the end of the year, they won the Music City Bowl. I'm getting a little over this that he just took over some graveyard. Like, like dude. Makai Becton was the first-round pick. Des Fitzpatrick is going to get drafted. Yeah, like first day two pick. Their offense and the defensive line stunk, okay? They stunk. They were FCS quality. They stunk. But the rest of the roster had some players on it. I'm sick and tired of hearing about, like, he took over, a, like, a graveyard. <laughs> like, Bobby Petrino was pulling in top 40 classes. Like, there was talent on the roster. He was a – a bad coach who let things go for one year, but it wasn't like they were just some scrap heap he took over. Like, well, especially at the skill positions. Right. I mean, and, and you're looking at guys like Javion Hawkins, who was an absolute stud. Mm-hmm. Did, did, I mean, Satterfield inherited that. Tutu Atwell was a mid-three-star recruit. Javion Hawkins was a low-three-star recruit. You know who recruited them, the Louisville? Not Scott Satterfield, the other coach. But so, you know what? Like, <laughs> Hey, they, they watch film from practice, though, like it. Okay. Yeah, I, just, I just, this whole, this narrative with Satterfield, it's just. But you I, know what it is, though. Hey, okay, that's enough. We've heard all about, you know, how, how they were nice to the players and they played hard for them. That's like, oh, that's enough. Let's talk about, like, the actual coaching he did, like how he got Javion Hawkins to run for 1,500 yards as a five foot eight, 160 pound back instead of, oh, you know, Look what he did with this, you know, with a bunch of bums out here. He won eight games with a bunch of bums. No, like they had some players on the roster. Like, like let's 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 acknowledge that fact. Like that that just that narrative is just it's like what are we doing here? Like well, how many how many times we got to get beat over the head with hearing a Scott Satterfield's ridiculous story at the University of Louisville? 
Well, it's because like it, he is just this gosh shucks almighty kind of guy. He's a country boy from Appalachia, and everybody just like the all like you're right, the all shucks people fall in love with. He's friends it, with Luke Combs on Twitter. It, oh, look at him! <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, and I think the reason why there he's getting so much love too is because that's like the in, antithesis of Bobby Petrino. Like Bobby Petrino is just a jerk. Which, like, which is, which you you see that in the hiring. A lot of teams will fire will hire the opposite of what they just fired. And a lot of times it doesn't work because you you worried about one in the press conference or finding a guy who's nice. Like let's just talk about the like let's talk about what's well, happening. What's he doing as a coach? Not just you know this whole you know they watch film. Like okay. <laughs> By the way, folks, uh, the reason why it's so unjust is like every every coach that coaches college football watches film from every practice. Like that's that's how practice works in college football. Like it, it just is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love it. I, I guess it's just you know they were so bad, but they could find positivity somewhere. That that guy Scott Satterfield. God, give me a freaking break. Give me a freaking break. And you know what? Look at I want to thank Jordan Watkins for getting us fired up over the rivalry in the middle of nothing. On May 11th, Jordan Watkins <laughs> reignited the rivalry. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, now we got retweeting the old film of Andrew Phillips beating up Jordan Watkins at UK camp. Oh, was that at the camp? Yeah, I was at that one, too. And that was one of those – I'm, I, you know, I'm not going to get personal or anything with the kid, but I, I came into that like, all right, convince me that Jordan Watkins and Josh Minkins are good. Josh Minkins didn't do anything at that camp, and Watkins he had his moments, but there was, like, there, he had like one or two where he beat Phillips, mm-hmm. but for the most part, like, if you're good, I mean, you should win more one on ones than not because you have the advantage. You know where you're going. They don't, and Phillips won a lot of those because he was physical. Yeah, I mean, with Watkins, they wanted him just because of that speed. They need some speed there, positionally. And instead, they're getting him with Dekel Crowdis, and now it's Twitter's on fire. And before we go, Nick, are you team the Krogue? Oh, hell yeah. yeah. I, I say the Krogue all the time. Yeah, that was going to say. Yeah, like, we, come on. We've been talking about the Krogue for a long time. And, and here's the thing, too. I know some people still call it Commonwealth Stadium. I write Kroger Field maybe once a day. Just like in work, so I'm going to adapt to it quicker. But like, hell, how many years has it been now? Like, I'm pretty. I went back right after I was hired at KSR. I wrote the Central Michigan like game, it's a scouting report, game preview, and in my tweet, I wrote the Krogue. So that was I've been calling it that for two years now. Yeah. So at least doing it for two years. I, the Krogue also is much better than what, – what did Stoops call Starbucks one time? It was like uh, – not the Bucks, but uh, – <laughs> Oh, man. I'm all for it, man. We should make T-shirts. Oh. Meet me at the Krogue. I think a lot of it is the people that don't like it, probably the people that don't like the uh, Kroger Field name in general. They still want it to be Commonwealth Stadium. Yeah, yeah, you know. Teach their own. Teach their own. That's right. Yep. Oh, well, this has been fun, Luckett, especially our segment uh, reading tweets. 
we'll have to make that permanent. Yeah. It's, just, uh, we'll just search what's trending and read a couple. Funny or not. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we did start it with uh, Michael H, but had to back away from it. So it's all the way well, back. He's in uh, Twitter jail. I think Mississippi State kind of cut him off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I just – I looked up my videos from camp, and look how soft – this is me trying to make Jordan Watkins not sound bad because he dropped a pass. Jordan Watkins gets separation from Andrew Phillips on the comeback but can't reel in the in. reception. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, gosh. That's- that's how you know you're professional. You know how to spin the words. Oh, yeah, and I also said feeling, too. Which, by the way, folks, I'm just going to apologize to all of you all. Quarantine and dad brain really suck at messing up words on Twitter. Like, I cannot get them right at all. I've just been omitting words, misspelling them. It's been an absolute disaster. So my apologies and my thanks for listening because this has been a joy. Like it, I hope you've had a blast. I did, my man. Thanks for having me. Time of your I'll life. Do it again next week. Good luck finishing that basin up. Do you, uh, we'll have to do 11 personnel in the Luckett Man Cave when we get it done. How uh, – uh, now are you – so I know that you're having some assists from your in-laws on, on putting it in. Your father-in-law is there helping you out. Are, is, I'm sure he's handy. Are you handy? Are you no. – no. like, so are you like holding the flashlight kind of deal? Yeah, I'm painting. <laughs> <laughs> Can't painting. mess that up. Holding the trim, carrying the supplies in. No. Oh. Gosh, hey, you know what? Me and you, me and you both, man. My wife mm-hmm. does all of the repairs at our house. So mm-hmm. as long as, as long as somebody knows, this how has to. been a process. This was supposed to be my birthday present two years ago. <laughs> my wife was supposed. She said she was going to organize and have it done. I was supposed to have this two football seasons ago. Hey. Now I'm going to get it, and hopefully we have a football season. <laughs> You're getting <you're> no football <laughs> come September. Oh Jesus! Well, we're going to have the three TV set up. It's going to be nice. A little bar area whenever. It, it's completed. Hell, who needs to go to the Krogue if you got three TVs? Oh, it's going to be hard to get, get my big butt off that couch and all that. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know it might be hard for some of y'all listening. We hope y'all are staying safe out there, enjoying time with people, your family, your loved ones, and uh, enjoying a little time with us. We, we hope you've got a little football to get the juices flowing. And uh, we'll, we'll see y'all next time here on 11 Personnel with Adam Luckett and Nick Crow.